As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Football and Grits. Uh, a special welcome to the Tennessee fans who are just waking up from their uh, 48-hour bender, I'm sure. <laughs> Joining the show. They're not incredibly hungover. Missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a heck of a weekend. And that's that's the, that's the appropriate place to start, Brody, uh, with the Vols. The Hendon Hooker uh, show. Yeah. Uh, 461 yards of total offense, uh, I believe. His, he'd only uh, topped 112 yards rushing one time ever uh the i watched this game actually the virginia tech liberty game uh against hugh freeze and malik willis Ooh. back in 20 2019 i believe i remember that uh one. great game uh that i i don't remember who won that game but it was decided on a last second field goal but it was tremendously entertaining because i remember thinking hooker and willis was a heck of a showdown um anyway a spectacular performance. I think we've seen Hendon Hooker really mature uh, as a passer. Uh, I think he has a great grasp of this offense, but he also has a great feel of the game itself. Um, and I think, too, you know, he, he in general values the football and he makes such wise decisions. And I, I asked him last week, actually, you know, a pretty simple question. Why, why do you never throw interceptions, uh, Hendon? And he was talking about when he was in high school – they played in uh, a pretty run-heavy offense. He's like, I'd go eight for nine for you know two eighteen and a couple touchdowns. <laughs> and he's like, you knew when you were throwing the ball, you didn't have that many opportunities. And he always valued the ball. He says, and, that, and that's taken over. He does get to throw the ball a few more times than nine times a game in this offense, uh, but you still see that. And I think when you when you look back at his time at Tennessee, and you know he's he's accounted for forty two touchdowns. Uh, or I believe 47 total touchdowns and two interceptions. And when you talk about, I know when you talk about that kind of efficiency um, and that kind of control, you can get results like this because if you make a big mistake, uh, I don't know how that game goes for you. And Tennessee, that game was kind of teetering on Tennessee being able to break it open versus Florida kind of inching closer. And obviously you had some, some nervous moments late. Um, but I don't think you can come away from that game thinking anything other than Hen and Hooker won that game for Tennessee yep. and did it without Cedric Tillman who had 19 targets when Tennessee played Pitt. Yep. Uh, he's a bit of a safety blanket for him and a large safety blanket. He's like one of those oversized, like, you know, the, uh, uh, the giant shack bed from MTV cribs back in the day. He's like, Can't a safety say blanket. I like, <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm dating myself, but I know. I mean, I watched MTV cribs. I don't remember that one. <laughs> well, there was a shack one and he has a gigantic bed that makes shack look tiny. <laughs> That's the size of the security blanket that Cedric Tillman is, who was walking around in a boot Saturday night. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Brody, and also the thoughts of our listeners. We have our, our comments. We're keeping an eye on it. So if you guys yeah. want to participate in the show, we can interact drop you in here, interact with us. Um, but Brody, I think the question for Tennessee right now is, what do you make of this team and how high can they go? Because I, I, you beat Florida, you beat Pitt. Those are two wins that make you feel like you cleared some hurdles to a really big time season, but it's also still, you're not beating, you know, playoff caliber teams. You're beating good teams, um, but you're still sitting there for, no, you literally can't be any better. What do you make of the Vols and, and where they're headed right now? 
Yeah, I, I am now officially buying just because I was absolutely blown away by Hendon Hooker. Like, I mean, I've always mm-hmm. been an Hendon Hooker fan, like anyone, but there was always some element. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this without being insulting, but like, some in the back of my mind, I had this like empty calorie, you know, like that UCF offense kind of like, how good is he as like a real quarterback or is it just like a good scheme, a good passer who can hit his open guys? And, and I've obviously, I know he's good, but he blew me away Saturday. Just like you said, even to your point, without Tillman, without that security blanket, he was still making these confident, tough one on one throws into tight windows, but still responsible. That's stat 47 to 2 ratio. That is, that's some Chip Kelly, Nick Foles, that one season <laughs> stuff right there. But like, I mean, it, and, and, I felt really dumb. I'm glad you pointed out that he normally doesn't run like that. Cause I'm like, am I an idiot? Like, does he been this great runner all the time? Cause no. I mean, his stats he were can, never- he can, but he, I think that's to me. So to your point about the offense, yeah. this is a very quarterback from the offense. There's a yeah. lot of quarterbacks who can do very well in this offense, but Hendon hooker and his ability takes it to the next level for, for two reasons. I think one, Obviously, the accuracy. He doesn't miss a ton of throws. He's been a little shaky this season, which on I thought. On the run, was... he was hitting tight windows in the yes. red zone. I'm like, what is going on in here? Yeah. But I think the thing that, that, that Josh Hopper pointed out post-game that I really felt like in, in the moment was true is, is he was making really, really good decisions constantly. Mm-hmm. He can run. He's not. It's not to the point where Bryce Young like doesn't want to run, where he yeah. only extends plays. And Bryce Young, I think he would be well-served to run more. But every time he got in open space, he's keeping his eyes downfield. But there was never a time where it's like, oh, I'm going to make a really difficult throw instead of taking my eight yards and moving the chains. Or there was never a time where he's forcing it into three guys and to try and run where there's going to have to lower his shoulder and missing a guy, you know, wide open. That's that's sitting there. I think he had six incompletions on the night. A couple of those were drops. And I think ultimately he's he's a guy that's. is just feeling himself right now. I think the pocket presence. It's a great and, point. And, he, and he's, he's just, he's giving Tennessee what they need. And uh, he, if, if Tennessee is going to do special things this year, which we'll get into here in a bit, yeah. uh, I, I think, you know, certainly he's the guy that's going to do that. They need to get Tillman healthy, but that's huge for them. I mean, it's a great point though. Cause it wasn't just like, they made great plays, you know, like maybe he's what we thought Anthony Richardson was two weeks ago or three <laughs> weeks ago, but like, I don't want to get too out of it, but because it's like it's not just that he makes these great throws or these great plays. Like you, I'm glad you pointed that out. He just it looked like an offense in firm command. Like and and we talk so much about all these great quarterbacks. Like and I'm the huge Bryce Young fan, but like he doesn't always look like he's in command. You know that offense has flaws. It's kind of making plays. It's rare to see a quarterback that both is like just absolutely dialed in an offense, has control of it, and then can just dictate defense however he wants. You know, Mac Jones did it, Burrow did it, but like it's not that common as much as like it's an offensive friendly world to look like that, always making the right call. I was all in and just yeah, I am I I know it's time to talk about what we think Tennessee can be. Like I, I've I've been kind of poo pooing them a little bit, right? Like, oh, they're good, but like, how tough are they, man? I, I'm not saying I think they make the playoff or anything like that, but yeah, man, I I think they're probably better than Kentucky now. I'm ready to say that, and you know, I think they yeah. are a top ten team. They are that good. I think that I've I've felt that way from the start of the season. I think Kentucky's really good. Mm-hmm. I just think Tennessee's a little better. I've thought from the start of the season, Tennessee is one of the 15 best teams in the country. It's just a matter of time until you kind of prove it. I was surprised they didn't start the season ranked with as good as they played last year, especially with you at Hooker uh, rolling and and with all the stuff they brought back um, this year. I think they had 17 starters back. Uh, I think they had uh, something like 80 percent of their defensive. Um, uh, production back uh you know and then of course you have hooker you have tillman uh you bring back your series they lost uh javante payton and valus jones but uh you know jabari smiley got a a pretty deep stable of backs and and four offensive linemen back i I was surprised that more people were not on tennessee to start this season um maybe it's the tennessee of it i think people are used to seeing them i wonder how much of that affected them but you know what it was for me to me it's weird it was like I knew everything advanced analytic, like returning production, like you said, everything about it. Loved them. That's the stuff I'm normally in on. But there was this part of me that just felt like it was like putting up really efficient stuff in the right moments. Or like, so I thought maybe it was like a number skewer, but like when they played great teams, they weren't going to be that good. And I'm just wrong. Like I, but I just, and you're right. Maybe a little bit of that just is the Tennessee of it, the Butch Jones era of it, right? Of just like the talent, but like, and their production's good, but 
are they a football team? And I I think that really is it. Like, are they just empty calories? I keep repeating that, but I think that's what mm-hmm. it felt like. And they are not. And I, and by the way, also baked in is I thought just I was not high on Josh Heupel. And I know we, we were going to want to ask you a bunch of questions about this, but like, I just thought of him as the guy who took over a sports car at UCF and still won, but every production thing, like every analytic went down a good bit, right? Like they I still mean, that's won. true. That happened. That yeah. Happened. Like <laughs> they, they went from an elite team to an above average team. I think that's fair to mm-hmm. say. And I'm just like, I don't see it and I'm wrong. And I want to ask you, like, obviously a lot of it is when you look at what he's done here, is he just a scheme guy that's a good scheme guy and knew how, and got the most out of more talent or are there things that we're missing that he's good at, if that makes sense? So I think two things. One, uh, schematically, you know, him and Alex Golish, I mean, this is the Baylor system that they're running. Yeah. Um, it, it is a run-first system that obviously spreads you out, wants to stretch the field, wants to be very aggressive. And I think they have that mindset of, hey, we're going to attack, attack, attack. I think that guys really like playing in that. But schematically, this is the Baylor system. There's not a ton of difference in what they are doing right now. They do. There's some tweaks. There's not a ton of difference in what they're doing right now and what our Bryles did to win the Big 12 twice, I believe, um, back in the day. Uh, So they're running that. But I think culturally, I think coming away from the Jeremy Pruitt era, which was very much – you know, they – talking to recruits, and and obviously I covered the – well, the entirety almost of the Jeremy Pruitt era at Tennessee – some guys really liked that there was it was almost a transactional approach that he was very honest with people that said, "Hey, I need you to win games. Use you know I'm going to use you to win games and and keep my job here. Use me to get to the NFL because I have all this track record of you know Jalen Ramsey and all these big time yeah. guys that I've coached at Alabama and Florida State and Georgia. Uh, I've got that track record. Come here and do that." Then, of course, you have the element of not treating people great. <laughs> I think, yeah. obviously, during the Jeremy Pruitt era, that was kind of a hallmark and, and something I don't know that he would even necessarily shy away from. He would call it demanding a lot. Some people would call it just being a jerk. And yeah. I think yeah. when you're at Alabama dealing with that and uh, you are are sitting there um, you know, uh, ha- playing that game, you have to do that uh, – and, and have production when all your assistants yeah. are getting head coaching jobs and all you're making and that probably you know, works four or five when guys you've... first time first uh four or five first round picks and that probably works when you have like 10 to 15 years of being like this is how we do things that we've proven it you can't go in year one and two doing that yeah mm-hmm. but, but continue yeah and so uh you know that's that's I think coming away from that, Hypel couldn't be more opposite. Yeah. Um in that he is a very like normal person. I always say uh you know I always say that that's College coaches, particularly head coaches, have some level of like, like psychopath in them. Either they're like yeah. geniuses or just like insane workaholics or like some mixture of both. Or like, there's always some like they're very rarely like normal people. Yeah. And Josh Heupel, who I've covered back going back, you know, a decade plus to to his days at Oklahoma when he was sort of the uh, you know, unofficial, seemingly heir apparent to Bob Stoops until that kind of went sideways and he's kind of rebooted his career. Um, I, I think ultimately that that situation, um, he, he's just he's just different. I think, and yeah. I, I wrote a story when he came in there about how he was operating at UCF. And it's a matter of like, I think sometimes you hear the stories of like, oh, he says, hey, to everybody in the hallway and, and treats people like normal people. But I think that that really does have an impact. And I also think there's a level of uh, of humility there yeah. where when you go through what he went through at Oklahoma and have to reboot your career and have this second act that let me tell you, a lot of people did not think he was going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a level of like appreciating it, which I think you saw on Saturday. And I think you see that he doesn't believe necessarily that nobody can tell him anything, which you see a lot of coaches yeah. who have never dealt with failure before, not believe, well, my, I, everything I've always done is one. Yeah. So whatever I believe is definitely going to work because I've never been wrong or failed anywhere. And I think when you have the failure that he has, I think that humility allows you to, to bring in other people's ideas. And I think that was a huge problem during the Jeremy Pruitt era, where when something went wrong, he wanted to fix everything and got himself spread way too thin. And so I think it's all of those things. Schematically, you know, like I said, I don't know, you know, how much is is Josh Heppel ingenuity, but culturally, that's all him. And I think Tennessee 
this feels like a program that is having a lot more fun and 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 guys enjoy being in the facility. And part of it was the pandemic late in the Pruitt era, but it was a grind for guys. And they they especially year one oh, adjusting I see and, and just like you're grinding guys down by the end of the season. If it's November and guys are like, man, how long is this till the season's over? That's yeah. not great. And I think you Good saw point. a lot of that. And so I think culturally, Josh Heupel came at the right time. And then schematically, um, they have a system that allows some of these talents to flourish. I mean, Cedric Tillman, you know, I think he had 12 something like career receptions um, before last season. And now he's sitting there on the short list for the Blitnikoff. So, you know, having a competent offensive scheme, which Tennessee, I can tell you, did not have at any point in the Pruitt era, um, is is a major thing. And, and here we are sitting here, and Tennessee is, uh, you know, doing things, doing better things sooner than I think anybody could no. have predicted. If you had said, in five years, is Tennessee going to be in the top ten under Josh Heupel? Probably I don't not. know that a lot of people would have <clears throat> said yes. And also, you know – what are they going to look like in year two? I can tell you not a lot of people thought college game day was going to be there and they'd have, you know, this, this juice behind the program, but they do. And like I said, I, I think you combine all of those things. He was kind of the right guy at the right time for them. And he, you know, the, the sort of TikTok, uh, you know, pendulum swing of, well, we don't like this. So we're going to get the opposite. Yeah. I think it's kind of silly, but in a lot of ways, I think that, that, that swing back, for, for Tennessee in terms of the personality of the coach and the style of the program um, has worked. And I think the proof's in the pudding. Well, then that leads to the thing I'm really fascinated by, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, so I don't expect you to like know the answer. But Oh, I thrive on the spot, Brody. <laughs> do you? <laughs> but, I mean, okay, so there is an element, though, to your point of, like, it was the perfect zig to the zag. He's the right guy to get so much out of what they had, to get more out of it, all that, for so many reasons. And, by the way, I don't want to poo-poo it, like, credit to him but where are you at with what he can do like you're four and five like because he sometimes there's a lot of times like there's a reason a lot of interim coaches thrive in the nfl and college because like they are the right fit for that moment but they're not the guy you want building the program where do you like do you think hypo can actually get this thing a lot or is he a bit more of like a a guy who can just make them better quickly well i think that's that's a question for our our good friend ari washerman in the recruiting yeah, realm. and i think ultimately you have to win those battles, and that's what depends. And I think when people were looking at the skepticism surrounding Josh Hype when he got here, a lot of it was about the recruiting because the recruiting at UCF was not great. But it's been pretty good at Tennessee. It's, been, it's decent. It's been solid. Um, you, they need to be better if you want to be, you know, uh, well, we say playoff, but we'll saw, we'll talk about it in terms of the four-team playoff. If you want to be that team that Tennessee wants to be, I don't know that they're ever going to get there, but the fans want to be competing for national titles. That's That's the – the stated goal, um, you know, for people around this program, you have to recruit well. Now, if you can recruit at a top ten level um, consistently, which they're number nine changer, right now, yeah, and you have a and you have a game changer at quarterback, which they obviously have right now in Hennon Hooker. Can Joe Milton be that guy next year? And then, of course, yeah. Nico Iamaliava in the future. Can I honestly, when I, when I asked that question, I almost forgot. Like, man, they do have him. That's a very they have good Nico. Time. Now, the the flip of the Nico piece of this is, I think a lot of people thought, well, when they get Nico, it's going to be an avalanche of talent, and they've gotten some yeah. guys, but it has not been the same effect as like when Arch committed to Texas, and then all of a sudden, all these guys are jumping in Texas's boat. That's not something that's really happened at Tennessee. But like I said, if you have consistent top ten classes and you have a game changer at quarterback, which you know, Clemson learned last year, if you miss on a guy or a guy has a bad year, it can get humbling in a hurry. But if you have that play at quarterback, yeah. and I think in a quarterback-friendly system like what Tennessee is running, you have a, a better uh, a better chance of having that from year to year, then you can really do some things. So yeah. I, I think that's that's where I, I really feel like uh, Tennessee is well-placed. And it's worth noting, Brody. Yeah. Tennessee off this week goes to LSU. I think I don't think LSU can score with them. Probably not. But you know who I also think might struggle to score with them? The Alabama Crimson Tide. I forgot to tell you this. <laughs> um, coming to coming to uh, Neyland Stadium. But I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. I was at a I was at a New Orleans sports bar Thursday night, just watching you know Thursday night football and. Mm-hmm. I guess a guy is a fan of the show. Hope you're listening. And he was like, "Hey, are you Brody Miller, blah blah blah." And he's like, "Your buddy, 
he's wrong about Alabama. And he was he thought you were <laughs> he thought you were overreacting to one iffy game. So you one you iffy have, game did he miss the whole 2021 season? There were like six. I'm iffy just games. Hey, I I'm not I'm I I do kind of think I I slightly disagree with you. I still think Bama's probably the first, second best team, but we don't have to go down that path again. But I just want to yes. say there are people out there who who are already getting your your ruffling feathers here on football and grits. Well, that's good. Uh, I always like to ruffle some feathers. Uh, but you can be our ul- Ari. Yeah. Ultimately, we're gonna see Alabama goes to Arkansas this weekend. I think the Arkansas that that toughness on the lines uh, and having experienced quarterback in KJ Jefferson, I think they'll have a shot. But for me, ah, the corners, the corners that Arkansas has. I, I covered Arkansas's game against Cincinnati. Cincinnati had receivers running free all day, and I know we've we've kind of slow played Auburn or Alabama's talent at receiver, and I still believe that. But I think Arkansas's corners really are struggling. We saw that last week, um, and I, you know, Arkansas. I'm not sure they match up great with Alabama, but if Alabama comes out and doesn't play well, and Arkansas can control possession which they may be able to do. If, we'll see if they can. Um, it could yeah. be dangerous, but this is, you know, again, Alabama going on the road. We saw this last year. You know, it's hard to win on the road in the SEC. And I don't know that this is your older brother's Alabama team. That's going to just sort of blow teams out of the water. That's not really, we don't see that a ton. Um, so we'll see. And if they do hats off, we'll be back here Monday and I'll be saying, Hey, maybe I was wrong about Alabama. They can just roll yeah. over Arkansas. I'll be impressed, but we'll see. That's, uh, that's, uh, to, to, to go, you know, from, from Tennessee's uh, side of things before we move on, though, I'm telling you that Nealon matchup is going to be really tough for Alabama because I don't care who you are, like, Tennessee's going to score 30 on you, more than likely. Um, and if you're not very good or you don't understand how to slow down that system, they can score 60 on you. But Alabama, you know, Alabama's going to have to score to beat Tennessee. And Tennessee, sure, like they, they will, they're willing to let you score some points on them. But I'm, that Alabama-Tennessee game, I will be there. That is going to be a, a really dangerous, yep. dangerous game for Alabama because this Alabama team doesn't score at will. And, and, and I think Tennessee can scheme up and slow down uh, those receivers. And they're going to hit some plays. And, and yep. Tennessee was – you know, knocking on the door against Alabama a year ago uh, with that team in Tuscaloosa. So we'll see. Yeah, it, it feels like, and this is where I'll, I will agree with you, it feels like I think Alabama bounces back really hard this week. Like they have their like, all right, chill guys, you know, win by 24 game or whatever against Arkansas. And, and, and you know, everyone's like, all right, they're good. They're back. Everyone's going to be on Bama. Everyone's going to be talking about them again because they somehow forgot about Tennessee during the bye. And that's where I'll be with you. I think Tennessee will Could probably be. be the play that week just because – you're right. I think they do match up well. And it's like, I don't have numbers in front of me, and you could tell me I'm flat out wrong about this. But like, <laughs> I, I know the defense is flawed, but I feel like they have bodies in the pass rush and they have, they can create some havoc, even though they're making mistakes and whatnot on the back end. So like, they can yeah, take I like, advantage of that O line. I like Tennessee's front seven. I, I think they're really underrated okay. coming into the Not year. Dumb. Omari Thomas, Byron Young, Tyler Barron, mm-hmm. they're, they're thin. They don't have a lot of guys okay. that got to stay that healthy. But they got some guys who can make some plays. Byron Young, first-team All-SEC guy coming into the season. Tyler Barron was a super recruit from here in town. Um, so, you know, I've been on this Tennessee team this year just because of how much they brought back and yeah. you have a, a game-changer quarterback, and you kind of saw that on display. They didn't play a perfect game. They, we haven't seen Tennessee really play great this season. They played badly against Pitt and still won, beat a top-20 team on the road. They played – that was a B-minus probably from Tennessee. Um, defensively, they struggled. Yeah. Um, offensively, they could have been a little bit more proficient in the running game against Florida, but still uh, a strong game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On the other side of that, yeah. Or on the other side of that, Brody, our weekly discussion point. Anthony Richardson, okay. Four hundred. make him our third host. Like, I mean, it might maybe. be better. Yeah. Listen, four hundred and fifty-three yards. That is the most of any Power Five quarterback all season. That's true. At any yeah. point, yes. We looked. I looked That's this up yesterday. It's in, our, it's in my column this morning. I didn't. Oh, and <laughs> and and. Only two guys in all of FBS have thrown for more yards in a game this season so far. Listen, I get all of the sort of Anthony Richardson skeptic. He was not good the last couple of weeks, but you saw again some of the skill and some of the talent and why uh, he it has gotten the hype that he's gotten because we saw more of him extending plays, making plays on the run, still being elusive. Where yeah. Tennessee had him a couple times, and he still yeah. gets out. And it extends the play, makes the run. And then, of course, there's the element, the, the cam element of his game where, uh, you know, Florida's running that student body right play, that just QB power off yep. the edge where they get those guards out there. And that is really tough to stop on, you know, third and two where they just say, hey, we're going to throw bodies at you. And then once you can get through those bodies, there's a 250-pound, 260-pound quarterback lowering his shoulder right behind him, so good luck. Tennessee struggled to stop it. And I also said this uh, during the game, Brody, because I was wondering if it was coming against Tennessee. But I'm telling you right now, it's coming against Georgia. Yeah. They run that student body right play. They put that on film. They probably ran that six, seven times against Utah. They probably ran it five more times it's against big Tennessee. Big Billy Napier thing, yeah. They're going to run that, and they're going to – Step back, and they're going to leak out the tight end on the opening drive. The first time they have a third and short against Georgia, and they're going to go up 7 nothing against Georgia. How obnoxious are you going to be on Twitter when that happens? Oh, buddy. Are we talking all caps? I'm going to cut this clip. I'm going to put the date on it. (laughs) John Gattori. That's 100% going to happen because you could see at the end of the game. Yeah, that's a great call. We saw it against Utah. We saw it against Tennessee. They are selling out hard. And that's going to be on film so many times. And Georgia, they're hungry. They're going to pursue. And so maybe it's not the first drive, but probably the first drive. Because you've had it on film so many times, and it's so predictable. And you could kind of see it coming. They'd load up that side, and here they go. But ultimately, Brody, I think my question with with Andy Richardson and and, and Will Levis, in your mind, like you talk about those two guys, you get so many eye rolls from people. Like, oh, we got to – we got to talk about Will Levis again. We got to talk about any of these guys who are. Why do you think there is so much? Um, I don't even know if you call it skepticism. I'd call it almost more annoyance that people have to recognize that like Oof. these guys are really talented NFL prospects. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I think some of it centers around production. Yeah. You look at I, Will I Levis. You look at Will Levis's numbers from last year. They don't knock your socks off. And then, of course, Anthony Richardson after the Utah game, the couple games he had after that certainly were not good. But you can't deny the tools. I think I don't understand why fans are so annoyed with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson outside of Kentucky and Florida. I think it has a lot to do with first off production. Yeah, I think there's something that exists, and this might be like too Brody. You think too much, but like the projection versus reality thing that exists that like we live in a sports discussion culture. I think you and I are a big part of it of like, we fall in love with projections so much and so much is about the draft and traits and like what this team can be. Even the way we discuss like NBA teams is about like your core for the future and your draft picks. And it's like, I think there is another subsection of people and a decently sizable one that are just kind of like, all right, we fall in love too much with projection. Who are you now? Like what, like there's too much of this guy does this. And it's like, yeah, but he also costs you this. And I think there's a lot of people that just get really, really frustrated with that kind of discussion that people like us have. And, and sure you and I are getting some nuance too and talk about the bad, but I think that's where a lot of it comes from is like, why are you telling me how good this guy is when I saw him <laughs> lose this game? And I get that because that is probably a slight flaw in how we talk about things. But I, I I think there's something to that because it's like, yeah, Richardson, we even though I think 
I mean, this is probably where you want him to live, right? Like he's probably he's not going to be Utah Richardson all the time. Like that's not fair. And you definitely don't want him to be South Carolina or not South Carolina. Sorry, you don't want him to be the last two South Florida and like the last two games Richardson. But this is probably where you want him to live. Where like he wasn't perfect. Like realistically, he was twenty four, forty four. Like he had flaws. Mm-hmm. Through had a fumble and a pick, and like you know, but he made plays. He was productive. He kept you in the game. You and I both kind of were worried that like he was gonna an up tempo, more possession game would be more chance for him to screw it up. And if anything, I think that free flowing game made him more comfortable. It seemed like so. It's like he was in a rhythm early. Some of the throws he made in that game where he's extending the play, keeping his eyes downfield. I think, you know, there's two sort of, you know, styles of quarterback or or two sort of, you know, um, you know, reading the field for, if you're a quarterback, we saw it against Kentucky and against South Florida he was struggling to read the field. He'd have guys running wide open and just not see them at all. I didn't see a lot of that, especially I didn't cover Kentucky or USF's games against Florida, so I didn't see him in person. But I, you know, when you're sitting in the press box, you have the all 22. You can you can tell who which quarterbacks are doing what, and you can see oh he's missing guys constantly because you can see all the route combinations. It's it's a great way to watch a football game. But do we think there, there was were not more much open? Do you think there were more clearly open guys against Tennessee though than against say Kentucky? No, I don't. Okay. And I think, no. And then, and I think, but the flip side of that is while he does struggle to read the field from time to time, uh, ultimately, when he is extending the play, for as much of a, a time as he has running, he just does a great job of keeping his eyes downfield and, and, and not just sure. looking at the guys coming at him and saying, well, how am I going to beat that guy? He's looking to make a play down the field. And you saw that over and over against Tennessee and that's a big reason why they were able to uh to, to come back and, and threaten Tennessee late the way they were because he was making plays uh in that way so listen I get the annoyance with Anthony Richardson it is what yeah. it is but uh you know he's still a good player guys 453 yeah. yards there's a reason why no one in the power five has thrown for more yards than that and he does it in his fourth or fifth career start on the road in a crazy atmosphere against the top 10 team listen like I, listen, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty oh, good. That, it was it was a very <laughs> impressive point. If this, it, if, is, if this is his median, then you're in great shape. Yeah, you yeah. just want to see consistency, and I think it's just as simple as that. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, subscribe to the show. Leave a comment if you have some things to say. Uh, of course, listen to the Andy Staples show on our feed. A lot of shows. Uh, we have Power Hour on Tuesdays. Uh, Max Olson, Sam Khan, of course. Uh, but looking forward. Another debacle on Saturday, Brody. I, I'm so I'm watching Auburn Mizzou on the TVs uh, above me, and I see uh, Auburn come up short on a third down, about forty six yards out. And I'm like, okay, we'll have a kick with ninety seconds to go or whatever it is. Uh, and then I I kind of was looking down doing some stuff. I look up and. Missouri's defense is celebrating and I'm and there's no kicker to be found anywhere on the field and I'm like wait what just happened I I think I I think I missed this uh and from that moment on I was like oh I was like if if Missouri goes down and wins this game I was like Carson is going to be gone by midnight this is not even like that that coaching debacle it's just such a baffling decision I know Anders, Anders Carlson had a rough uh, game and I guess he missed a kick also that didn't count uh, in that yeah. game because of an offsides. I know he had some rough some rough go, but he's still a fifth year senior. I think I looked it up. I think he's eleven of sixteen um, in the last year or two uh, from forty yards and uh, from 40, 49 yards. The idea that you would, especially the way that they run the ball, decide to just run it, uh, you know, right up the gut, even if you give it to Tank Bigsby, I, I, I just. That, that is not something that you want to do. And I think last week I wrote about uh, Auburn's uh, offensive line struggles. Uh, in that game against Penn State, they averaged 0.33 yards before contact. Yeah. And uh, on Saturday, Tank Bigsby, uh, 62 yards after contact, Ooh. 44 yards rushing. <laughs> yeah. uh, in short, that means your offensive line is not getting it done. But regardless of the baffling coaching decision, Auburn survives uh, Missouri with that late fumble when they were an inch away from from the end zone. Kids, unless it's fourth down, stop reaching for the end zone. Yeah, it does you no good. Uh, that only bad things can happen. Uh, don't do it. But 
you know, all this conversation, all of this sort of waiting game for, oh, the next time <laughs> Auburn loses, you know, uh, Harson's gone. He's sitting there. He has a, a room full of boosters that quite obviously this offseason were attempting yeah. to get him out of there. Uh, and then his AD, Alan Green, is gone, currently still looking for his replacement. This whole thing just feels like I, I don't know how you operate a program like this. Uh, I I rarely have pity on college football coaches because they're making you know yeah. uh, well into the seven figures to coach football. He'll be fine, but I don't like I, I kind of don't really understand the point of this because it feels like they're just waiting for the next time they're going to lose a game. If he had beaten Penn State, you know, convincingly, you know, whatever that that would have helped him. But I, I still think at the end of the day, they'd be waiting for one bad loss to get rid of him. They don't yeah. want him there. In what, what are we doing here, Brody? What, in what world what are we doing? In what world is Missouri the like the the decider? If you are not, if the decision, whether you beat Missouri or not, with so many SEC games to go, is the decider of whether or not Brian Harson keeps his job, then you need to fire him. Like, yeah. I know there's money and all that. That's a whole more complicated thing. I know the timing matters, but like. The bot the ticker here on the bottom is did Auburn's miracle win versus Missouri save his job? Of course not. He's getting fired. And <laughs> yeah. shoot, a lot of th- a lot of people would argue the way they won that game almost like reassures he's going to be fired soon. And and it's like you look at his tenure and so often it's like yeah it's a mess he's getting screwed. But like, if I asked you like what does Brian Harson do well so far? I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know, like, what their identity is. I don't know. I mean, they're not very good at the line of scrimmage. The quarter, He's supposed to be a quarterback developer. And to be fair, he has not, not had good quarterbacks. So, like, you know, is what it is. But he's, the quarterback play has been a mess. I don't know what they do well. And so much of that game that you're criticizing, right, is, like, it all felt so reactionary. It was, like, the, the way they ran the ball with Bigsby, to your point, on like a fourth and one and just pound the ball to him, it felt reactionary to everybody against the Penn State game being like, why didn't Tank Bigsby get the ball yeah. more? It's like, okay, I'm going to give him the ball more. And it's like <laughs> reactive and not proactive. And even the – this is me speculating out of my ass, but like even the the fourth down like you mentioned, it's like so much of it felt like I'm on the hot seat. We, we should be winning this game more than it is. It's like – it became thinking of like we have to find a way to convincingly win this instead of just find a way to win a football game. Like it felt like I gotta do something. I don't know. It was all such a mess. We all know he's on his way out. I'm just I can't get over the idea that this would change his fate. That is nonsense. I I, I just can't get my mm-hmm. head around that. Well, it's like okay, so Mizzou with Harrison Mevis misses a 28 yard kick he had uh never missed a kick shorter than 30 yards uh or shorter Ooh. than yeah in his career he was uh i believe it was 41 of 41 yeah. on extra points and uh, i believe 11 of 11 on kicks shorter than 30 yards or whatever in his entire career so you get this weird missed kick that doesn't happen although he's had a kind of a rough year uh and then, of course, the fumble at the end when he's when when uh, Nathaniel Pete is cruising into the end zone to score to score. The it's game so poetic, by the way. It it's is so poetic. That they won yeah. without touching him. Like they they won the game without even forcing <laughs> the fumble. That is the most yeah. poetic explanation of that game. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, uh, you know Missouri of flea kicker and kick uh, or flea kicker and uh, uh, fifth down fame. I don't know that this Auburn game will go in the uh, the annals of Mizzou history of bad losses because I don't know that there's a lot of emotional investment in this team, but a pretty crazy loss to find a way to lose that. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, to your point, you know, right now Auburn with their call and Eko Leota rushing the passer is like the only thing they do yeah. reasonably well, and everything else is just very average, uh, and that's not going to get it done uh, in the SEC. So, and I mean. You the whole both- thing is just uncomfortable. It's like, what are we? The whole thing of waiting and like, well, the next time Auburn loses a game, they're not supposed to lose. You know, well, that'll be the time. And I, I think in general, I'm just anti, like waiting for the loss to drop the hammer. Again, I, I am a big believer in what needs to be done eventually it should just be done immediately, yes. and that feels like that's where. Uh, Auburn is right now, and I think too. I mean, look at what LSU did when uh, they beat Florida. Then Ed Ogeron's announcement was the next day. You know, yeah, like, and, it's the, and the and the the recruiting aspect of it is kind of like I don't know. It, it's sort of six and one, half dozen the other yeah. because you, if you fire him, like as hard as it is to recruit now, it's not like if you fire him, it gets easier to recruit him because you're still. No in theory, selling a future with unmotivated assistance and a future that you don't know what you're even selling. So yeah. what are you even doing? And there have been more than a few instances when you have a lame duck staff 
for a long period of time where recruiting just goes out the window. Yep. Uh, I can think of one very particular instance. Well, two that I know of for sure that after the staff was fired, yeah. They just literally stopped recruiting entirely. They weren't making calls. They weren't making visits. I'm not saying that's going to happen at Auburn, but like ultimately, there's like, no right move. There's no yeah. yeah. So you know this limbo that they're in, it's it's uncomfortable for everybody, and I, I imagine it's really hard on the players as well. Um, and maybe they can rally. You know, maybe Auburn yeah. comes out here and 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 saves their season and and. Uh, and you know they're still sitting here at three and one. They have LSU this weekend. Maybe they go into Georgia yeah. into Ole Miss and win those games. Probably not. Wouldn't maybe. put money on it. But yeah. <laughs> but if they do, you know, maybe they're maybe that that's what you're you're sitting there for. But then again, if you have a booster group that doesn't want you there, they're just waiting. Even if you even if you beat Georgia, that, I, I still don't even think that saves your job, Brody, because no. they're just going to wait until you lose another game and they say, well. You know, Georgia was a flash of the pan. They just didn't get it done ultimately. The Penn there, State game, if there was any doubt, that, that ended it. So, I mean, unless he wins, I just don't see any world. Like, unless I don't see any world where it's not already decided. I think it's literally just timing. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I I want to move on. And also, I know we're we're gonna save this topic for like when it all happens. So I don't want to go in depth. <laughs> but speed round, like, who would be your your Auburn go to guy right now if you're hiring? Well, we call it the old pine box trail. Uh, I'm giving Lane a call if I'm yeah, Auburn. I, I got to tell you. It makes so much sense. <laughs> I guess it depends who you uh, want to be, though, right? It's like, do you want your program builder to, like, make you a Bama? Yeah, maybe. I don't know if Lane's quite that. But if you want to be Auburn – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, like, if you want to be Auburn and just, like, I don't know, this kind of fluctuating, punching team that can, like – take Bama down and every like two or three years you like weirdly are hot enough to be in the playoff conversation like good lane man and that's just so good for the sport too listen the last coach to leave Ole Miss and go to Auburn is now a U.S. Senator so yeah uh, I look forward to I look forward to Lane Kiffin uh in Congress uh just get it done it's a great <laughs> point yes. uh speaking of uh Powerful people. Uh, Texas A&M's $75 million man down in oil country. Down in oil country. Uh, Brody, I don't know that we were necessarily writing the Jimbo obituary. I don't think anybody was quite there. Maybe for the season. Uh, I, I think our actually, I think our colleague Andy Stevens may have written the obituary with saying they could yeah. go one and five, which was definitely possible. Yeah. They did not. Now, certainly Miami offered a lot of reason to question A&M's win. Uh, on the weekend when they lost to Middle Tennessee State uh, quite convincingly uh, at home in Coral Gables. But Arkansas is a good team. We've seen Arkansas. They already have wins over Cincinnati and South Carolina. They've looked really good. They were in the top ten. And A&M wins that game. Obviously, dramatic fashion. They need the crazy fumble return uh, to flip the game. And they said they, they they were probably going into the half down twenty one seven. Yes, um, with very little momentum. Then all of a sudden, you know, they miss the extra point, but still, you're you're basically tied at that point. And then the the kick from Cam Little off the top of the uprights, uh, absolutely crazy. Um, but they win the game, and you're you're sitting there if you are Texas A and M, and you're still three and one, and you've got Mississippi State uh, this weekend. That's a tough trip, uh, obviously to Alabama, a game that has lost a little bit of juice, maybe, but still yeah. good. And then your schedule lightens up later in the season. You know the A and M playoff stuff was probably always a a a, a, a pipe dream of sorts. Yeah. And it was at least a year too soon. But here here's here's my here's my hot Jimbo take for you, okay? Let's go. It's fun it's fun to dunk on oh the $75 million coach and it's going to cost them, you know, at this point with the extension and the raise, you know, his buyout is north of $90 million and and he can leave for $0. All these things are both insane and funny. But Jimbo's still a pretty good coach, and I think yeah. games like Saturday and situations like that team was in off the app, after the App State game are why you hire Jimbo Fisher and why you pay a coach $7 million because he got the team off the mat. They have two really good wins, and I'm not sure there's a ton of coaches, one, who could do that, and two, for all the you know um, uh, underwhelmingness of, of A&M having more talent than their on-field product suggests, they still have a lot of talent. They have more talent than Arkansas, and, uh, you know, they won that game. They were better than Arkansas on that day, and uh, they won a game in which they were probably uh, 
there's a if you play out that game again, okay, if you if you sit there and you say, okay, Arkansas's got the ball again at the three, down fourteen set or up fourteen seven. AM loses that game probably 90% of the time, 75% of the time. Well, and shoot, we can there. even use our, our good friend Bill Connolly at ESPN's, you know, post game. Post game win expectancy. Win expectancy uh, 67% of the time. And that's not like the the BS graph that we see of like 98% chance to win. No, it's like yeah, that math is fake. Don't yeah, do don't, we don't people don't, math, but don't yes, but yes. Go for ahead. For those who don't know, like it's just an actually comprehensive look at everything play-by-play, success rate, everything of, like, who actually played better. 67% of the time, um, Arkansas wins that game. So it's like, you're right. They deserve credit for that. And and it's like, to some element, the most boring take, but the real one is, like, this team was always probably a year away from, like, there was a little bit of, like, we know their talent and they have the number one class. They're a top 10 team. And we just didn't know who the good teams were this year. There's a little bit of that, I think. Well, you need, ultimately, you need a quarterback. Like, yeah. Jimbo won his national title with Jameis. Like we can joke about Jameis now, but he's a really good college quarterback. Like I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like he was a really good player, and they don't have that. Haynes King yeah. is not that guy. Yeah. Uh, Max Johnson, he added we'll something see. they didn't have. Yeah, like he looked yeah, better. Like, he played well, but, but like he's not going to win you, you know, eleven games yeah. on his back. Is Connor Wegman that guy? We'll Maybe see. Down the room, he's yeah. really young. Maybe we'll eventually. On the flip side. Arkansas has got to be careful. I'm glad we were here. I sold my Arkansas stock, so I didn't take a loss uh, on, on Saturday. <laughs> but, man, they got to be careful. Uh, I didn't think Arkansas at any point was one of the 10 best teams in the country. No. Uh, I thought they were borderline 15 to 20, um, somewhere in there. Um, and I, I think we saw it. But they, but you got to be careful if you're Arkansas at this point because you have that loss to AM that you, you probably should have had and the schedule is just so difficult now of course you have Bama coming to town and I, I'm not sure Arkansas matches up well with them at all no. Arkansas does match up really well with AM. I thought they'd win that game um they did not and then you go to Mississippi State which again corners issues yeah. uh I think Arkansas their scheme matches up pretty well because they like to drop that that seven or yep. eight and I think you can keep everything in front of you they're not going to get you know uh, they don't have to do things that they they don't used to doing. They don't play a ton of like press man on you. If you're used to doing that, and then you play Mississippi State and you have to do something else or die, I guess if you try to do that, yeah. uh, you, that can teams can really get out of their sorts. But I think they match up pretty well. But still, Mississippi State's a good team. And then you go to BYU. You know, you're still on the road at Auburn. We'll see what Auburn is at that point. If you're not careful, you're sitting there looking at at three and three, three and four, four and three. There's a lot of losable games up there. Arkansas, you know, you you got to bring it. And I think ultimately, whatever happens with Bama this week, I think Arkansas can maybe put a scare into them if their offense doesn't play well. But you can't come out of that game not healthy, um, which Arkansas has already had an issue with. They lost Jalen Catalan for the year mm-hmm. already. That's a huge loss for them. Um, and they've been a little banged up. But, man, that's Arkansas has got to be careful because your, your promise of the early start here, you're in a real – this is this is where you decide what the season becomes. Is, are you a nine win team? Or are you a six win yeah. team? You kind of find out in the next three weeks. And I think I'm coming out of this game though. As much as like the stock goes down because they lost, I think I come out of that game more impressed with Arkansas, like more sure of kind of who they are. And I think they are what they are, right? Like they're one of the few. We keep like, the theme of the show is like we can't figure out who's good. They're one of the few where I think we have enough data points because of mm-hmm. the schedule that like we know who they are. They have a really good offense. Like that isn't mm-hmm. objectively like 16th and SP plus. And I and I, I was more impressed with them than anything in that game because everything kept going wrong outside of them. And every drive they moved within the 30. You know they they drove consistently against a really really good a m defense. They the the ability to get guys in space was fantastic. Kendall Bryles is just a really good OC and and KJ Jefferson again not putting in the Hendon Hooker class, but he's just a very good SEC quarterback. He is. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, this just isn't a good defense. And it's probably a bit of a transition year. Catalan's out. Like there's just it's just is what it is. On the back end, you know, Max Johnson was finding guys really open. That's not a great sign, you know. But they are what they are and and I I come out of that game pretty impressed because Again, I get so obnoxious talking about like sustainability and like predictive stuff, but it's just like, yeah, in every single one of those metrics, they were the team that was more productive than AM. And yeah, AM was the team that gets credit for the win, and they deserve it to your point. Like Jimbo earned that. They just kind of find ways to win these games. And that's what football is, as much as we love talking about all this other stuff. But I do look at this team to think they can compete. Yeah, I don't think they beat Bama, but 
if I'm handicapping it right now, they're probably better than Mississippi State. I think they are better than BYU. And even though I love this BYU team and they're fun, I really like them, I think Arkansas wins that. So you're right. They have to be careful. There's a lot of ways this can go really, really bad. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I still really like them. And it's probably going to feel like by the end of the year, it's like 2019 Auburn is my best example of this, of like a team the schedule is just not going to tell us the truth. Arkansas yeah. is probably going to be 8-4, and four, and it's not going to feel accurate where like Auburn's Every team that played Auburn in 2019 said they were the best non-LSU team they played, but they kept losing. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of like that. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to see Arkansas compete in the Big Ten West for a year. I think it's my take overall. <laughs> I want that so bad. Like that's a ten or eleven win team. Like that <laughs> they win this year. I mean, yes. Like, I mean, I guess I don't know if they make a Minnesota or whatever, but yeah, like they would win this year. Oh, that would be so good. And they are a Big Ten West team in every yes. <laughs> like identifiable way, but they'd make it more fun. Oh God, we need that. A so couple, bad. a couple breaking news items we will see yeah. when Jimbo talks later today. It sounds like Anaya Smith out. Uh, yeah, that's year. a huge bummer. That's not a huge loss for them. Him and Devin A. Chain are really incredible. Or A-Chain's as uh, so good as De- as Dan Mullen would say on ESPN's broadcast, Devin A. Chain, which <laughs> Connie, I believe. It was. Uh, yeah, well, there was, there was some books there, and then uh, Jeff Collins fired at uh, at Georgia Tech. Uh, yes, you know this is an SEC show. Georgia Tech's an interesting job in general. I don't. They were in the SEC at one point, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Georgia uh, Dion does not make any sense for the Georgia Tech job. That, that, that yeah. doesn't need to happen. I love the uh, idea of him in Atlanta and like recruiting to Georgia Tech, but yeah, Georgia just a, Tech's not it. <laughs> yeah, just in a realistic way. Like the yeah. Andy's pointed this out really well before, but like the the academic stuff at Georgia Tech is so much harder than a lot of other Probably. schools that have reputations mm-hmm. for being like hard to get into. Like Georgia Tech's just tough to stay with. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's not the best. Uh, we got to talk about uh, this week's games. Mm. Um, Fine. We need to let's start with Ole Miss. We have no idea what Ole Miss is. It, it, Ole Miss is kind of a Rorschach test at this point. They helped get Jeff Collins fired. They have also looked real shaky. We still yeah. don't know what their quarterback situation is. Like Altmyer is clearly the backup, but also like Lane's had kind of a quick trigger where he's gotten in a couple times. Yep. Zach Evans is a stud. They've kept him rolling. Um, we'll see what Ole Miss is. Kentucky, great test for them. Uh, you're high on Kentucky. I, man, I I want to be with you on Kentucky. I think Kentucky can win this game. I just don't know what we don't know what Ole Miss is at this point, and this is a game that will, will, will show us because I I, I kind of am with you on a lot of the Ole Miss skepticism. Yeah, that it, all these parts together, it's asking a lot. But man, when they look good, they look really good, and I I don't know what but, what they have to offer but i or what they're what they're going to look like um this week but but uh that's this is gonna be a massive game that's gonna tell us a lot more about Ole Miss than kentucky yeah. i think we kind of know who kentucky is yeah i mean but i think the thing that i i keep repeating is like and i know you don't disagree but it's just like they're a team that the entire thing was they were built to take care of business against worst teams because they can run the ball so well and all that mm-hmm. and the first this was the first week they played i think like a you know, just a tough, you know, kind of challenging opponent in Tulsa. And they only won by eight and almost allowed a miraculous late Tulsa comeback. They were down 14-7 early too. So like mm-hmm. early in the game and late in the game, Tulsa kind of outplayed them. They couldn't bring down escaping every sack. And we are now four games in. And just this passing game, Jackson Dart was 13 of 24 for 150 yards against against Tulsa. You know, they weren't able to – the run game's still great. That's going to be great. But I love Kentucky at stopping that. It's the one thing I trust mm-hmm. Kentucky to contain. I trust Kentucky to make life just hard for Jackson Dart. And I just don't – but still, like at the end of the day – 
They don't have the offense to really challenge. They don't have the passing attack to challenge if this game gets high scoring. And and I don't know if Ole Miss's defense can really contain Will Levis the way I saw Tulsa break out of these plays or yeah. ran for six yards of carry on them. That's the first decent test. So I, I just don't love this Ole Miss team. I, we're going to get to picks later. I think we know what mine's going to be like. <laughs> like Kentucky a lot. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I, I, I just think that there's so much talent on this Ole Miss team that there's an opportunity here where Ole Miss wins this game by double digits, and you say, oh, okay. That's, I like that. Ole Miss, That's fair. Yeah. Ole Miss has maybe changed my mind. We'll find out. This is why they play the games, Brody. I'm very excited to see this Ole Miss team. And This is uh, the most we'll fun see. game, I feel like, in a few weeks. I like, think, I, I, I'm with or you. Or maybe just for nerds like us. I don't know. but Perhaps. Speaking of, Mississippi State. Uh, they let us down, Brody. We were we were on the Mississippi State train. I'm by. I held I held my stock. We're back. Yeah. Now they get the Aggies, who are hot right now. Yeah. What's your uh, take on this one? I, I like Mississippi State again, man. I I really I I'm on them. I I they again. If you have a competent offense, you are going to give a And M problems. A yep. And M cannot mm-hmm. score right now. They cannot score even with Max Johnson, especially now. Noah and I Smith, that's a huge loss. They love to throw it to those backs. Um, you know, Evan Stewart, I think, is going to be a great player. But they just don't have the receivers to really, you know, even do a ton. Um, uh, they can make really a special play, but they can't, like, really. Yeah, you're not, you're you, not yeah. shaking your boots for 60 yeah. minutes a, a exactly. game. You know, you look at – if you're a defensive coordinator and you're trying to scheme up this offense – there's not a lot that's keeping you awake at night. I mean, there's just not. They don't do anything spectacularly well. The offensive line is not as good as they need it, as they, they have been at times, especially when you look at that 2020 offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's the term maroon goons is currently sitting in a uh, a closet somewhere in the Kyle Field, uh, uh, or is it the Bright Complex down there, collecting dust. Uh, it's a bit like the Nebraska black shirts. It's, it hadn't come out in a while. No. Um, now we'll see. They have maybe earned the a, what happened to the A and M wrecking crew. Uh, nobody uses that anymore. What happened? This is a, this is a this is a team that that uh, uh, certainly um, is one that that could come close to uh, uh, earning that moniker. We'll see. But they they have their own hand signal. It's a it's one of these. Uh, let me get this. Wait, it's the yeah. I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah. It's the it's the wrecking crew. I think it's nice. I think it's backwards. <laughs> so like good. when they were like when like I remember. Peak, uh, well, I think it started in the 80s or 90s, but they brought it back whenever Von Miller was there. And every time Von Miller would make a sack, he'd come up and he would flash the the WC. Uh, anyway. I'm going to start doing that. We got, they got to break that back out. Uh, I haven't seen much of it. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. But uh, the Wrecking Crew, this is a good AM defense. So they can maybe slow down um, uh, Mississippi State. We'll see if they can completely eliminate Mississippi State's running game. Um, but uh, I like the Bulldogs in this one. I, I, like I think I do too, man. I, I just look at it as this is a really good Mississippi State defense. Like they are. Mm-hmm. I know like the LSU game, the second half, like was kind of misleading, I think, in some extent. But they are the number 21 defense in SP+. Plus. They're really good at containing things in turn. Like yeah. when you're – they're really good at containing in that three three five. And I feel like when that's your scheme, that's not conducive to Max Johnson. Like I feel like when you're like putting him in a box and making him like kind of – play this short game and hidden tight windows. I think that's when Max Johnson kind of maybe makes some reckless choices that we saw at LSU. Yeah. yeah. I just like Mississippi state here for a lot of reasons, but the question that will decide it, I don't know the answer to this is I came away from that LSU game really concerned about state's offense. Like they couldn't get mm-hmm. going against LSU and LSU might have a really great defense. We'll see. But the offensive line was supposed to be pretty experienced and good for state. They had a really tough time with LSU and will be able to create some similar havoc. So I'm in, I'm interested to see that, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I like Mississippi state. here. Yeah. Uh, Brody, are we concerned about Georgia? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Like how <laughs> okay. many times do we have to yell? I know. I know you like how many times do we have to yell judge teams by who they are when they're on. Don't judge mm-hmm. them by who they are against Kent state. That's what the playoff committee does. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And like, probably Sean Lewis, Kent State's a great coach. Kent State is not a program that like we should just yada yada. But still, Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, no, I'm not worried. What about you? Uh, Here's my concern. They looked pretty bored. I think they got up early. And I I really thought this is a defense that could lock down uh, on Kent State. Mm -hmm. We did not really see that obviously uh they weren't it was never really they were never really in the game 
as as one would say. But this is still a Kent State team that scored three points against Oklahoma. Uh, so to put up 22 against Georgia is pretty impressive. Here, here's my here's my concern is that if you Georgia's so much better than so many teams. Okay, you get a little bored against Kent State. Yeah. Okay. Kent State's in their best day. It's probably not going to beat Georgia. But and they already played them. But like, you get bored against a South Carolina. You get bored against yes. uh, a Mississippi State type of caliber team. Um, you know, you get bored against. Certainly, they wouldn't get bored against NFC, them. But you have yeah. you have Florida. That type of team where you just don't have it that day. This is this is what you know. I wrote about this today a little bit. Is that you know we the thing about Alabama is that they were great every time they came out. The number of times under Nick Saban that Alabama has played flat or just not their usual self. I mean, you could probably count it on one hand over you know 10, 15 years. It's crazy, uh, and that I think is where Georgia has to has to prove themselves and not have the weird loss. And in some ways, they're so talented that it's hard to, for teams to even sniff them. So I'm not worried, but that was not an invested Georgia team, and you have to limit those games. There haven't been a lot of times where Alabama, who is obviously the team that Georgia compares themselves to, plays a game like that and just looks ugh. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of like, I just, I hate this is terrible podcasting, but it's just like, I don't <laughs> think it meant anything. Like, even Bennett throwing like that terrible INT and making some mistakes, they're still 27 to 36 for 272 yards. Yeah. Or, like, the run game still ran for five or six yards a carry. Like, the, I don't think Kent State really gained a lot. There was just some weird plays. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm worried. That's all I'll, I'll really say. Yeah. Brock Bowers is a freak. I'll give him a shot. By the way, am I crazy? I put him on my Heisman, our straw poll this week. Am I stupid for he- that? No, I drafted him in our eyes of poll. There's about 10 or 15 guys you could reasonably vote for. He was not on my ballot. I did consider him. I had Hooker um, one, by the way. Nice. Interesting. Um, I, I, think I, still had, I still had Stroud one. I think I had Hooker two. And I, I have thoughts I've, on Stroud, but I'm not a uh, Big Ten thought. <laughs> uh, Bama, Arkansas, real quickly. What's your feel for that, Brody? I, I, I talk. I, I don't know that Arkansas matches up well with them. What's your feel for Yeah, I think – and we obviously discussed it before. Like so, we, But – I think it's like I still love this Arkansas team, but yeah, I just think this matches up well for Bryce Young picking apart yeah. that secondary. And like, I think this is gonna be a, yeah a quiet game Ar- for Jameer Gibbs, but a big game yeah. for these receivers. Yeah. Arkansas corners, I just that's how you get blown out against yeah. Bama. Exactly, plays. Arkansas might not look like a worse team to me after this game, but they might mm-hmm. lose by twenty eight just because that one yes. thing. You know, like sometimes mm-hmm. it's not like so. I, I think Alabama wins this one convincingly, but I still like Arkansas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Brody, uh, I got to tell you, I didn't go back and listen to whether or not you took the A. Yeah, we had a text lineup. debate over this for our listeners. Uh, but either way, either you won it or it pushed last yeah, week. I mean, I didn't I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure our listeners will will correct us. But our pick of the week this week, mine uh, cashed semi-easily. I took the Arkansas yeah, A&M well under done. 48. Uh Looking a little shaky there. Kind uh, of fraudulently, uh, actually, now I think about it. Somewhat, yeah, but a hey. touchdown at the goal line. Turn- <laughs> no, that's still points. I take that yeah. back. Even though the Arkansas should have scored, A&M did score. So never mind. You're good. But at the end of the day, you had a decisive kick where you couldn't go into overtime. So I'll take it. Uh, you earned it. Yeah. Brody, walk us through your pick for this week. Oh, I mean, I've walked it through already, right? Yeah, I I, I love Kentucky plus six. I think I've seen six and a half too. I guess that means you might be able to get a seven, but we'll say six just to be comfortable. Uh, yeah, I love Kentucky six for all the reasons I mentioned before. I love that pick. Uh, I am going to continue living in A&M Underland. Uh- <laughs> this time I'm with you. I actually kind of wondered if you were wrong last time. <laughs> this time I'm really with you. Continue. A&M Mississippi State under 46. Listen, yeah. that game might not get the 40. Uh, I think A&M is going to be able to absolutely lock down Mississippi State. Yep. And I just think A&M is not going to be able to move the ball well against Mississippi State's front. Yep. And they're good enough to not let anything go over the top. Yep. Call my shot here. Look out for Mississippi State defensive touchdown in this ball game. The 3-3-5, like Max Johnson. Boy, they, that 3-3-5 makes your eyes lie to you a lot. So um, what? Wait, what's the number you got it at? 46 46 okay yeah i like that uh i'm taking the under on that uh it's just gonna be a that's gonna be a tough sledding type of ball game um yeah. I, I you know a and knows what they're doing um mississippi state obviously won that game last year yeah uh, I I, was that the first i believe that was the first loss for a&m was it not 
pretty sure. Uh, I think I'm going to fact check it as we speak, but I'm pretty sure you're it right. was. It, that was the one where you kind of because I wasn't really into Mississippi State last year, but uh, yep, twenty six, so twenty two. Yep. No, that go. was the second loss. Second loss. Okay. Oh, it was Arkansas the first loss? Correct. The twenty. Okay. Well, either way, I'm taking it. Two good defenses. Uh, AM offense gives you not a ton, and I think their defense can slow down Mississippi State, similar to the way that they, that LSU slowed them down. Um, just yeah. don't play press man. That's all. Just don't play press man. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Good Thank you guys for listening. This has been football and grits. Uh, not a lot of grits discussion on this show, but a lot of football discussion. We say this at the end of every show. You'd think like next week we'll like prepare on grit talk. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps. I'm but make grits this week. I'm saying it right now. I'm making grits this week. All right. There you go. That's a promise from Brody. Um, maybe you can uh, live on the show next week, make some yeah. grits, and we can truly have a football and grits show. My girlfriend um, makes great grits and griots if you want to go full Louisiana, but you know, I don't know nice. if I have that much time on my hands. <laughs> I've only made grits like twice, but I do enjoy them. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stirring. It's yeah. a lot of – It's a lot of. Uh, I was going to scold you, and then I'm like, wait, I'm from Jersey. Like, who am I to be like, you <laughs> fake Southerner? Like, no, what am I doing here? Yes, uh, but it's it's whatever. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Again, uh, subscribe, leave a comment, review, all that stuff. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Those of you who are joining us live, those of you who are listening to us on whatever podcast purveyor you choose, subscribe to the Andy Staple Show feed. Andy and Ari, of course, doing their thing, eating weird things from week to week. Power Hour, uh, Max Olson and Sam Khan, and of course, Football and Grits. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back again next week talking about uh, why Mississippi State has probably let us down yet again and uh, the latest chapter in the Anthony Richardson saga, uh, I'm sure. So, yeah, let's just like thanks. bookmark it into next week's yeah. rundown now, like 20 minute mark. Anthony we, might have to have a, we might have to have a Will Levis, uh, a Will Levis meeting this time. Next week. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again next week.